started to get some jokes to tell you, but then I got focused on, uh, on the other things, and so never got any jokes. You have to bring your own jokes tonight. Amen? B-Y-O-J. Bring your own jokes. All right, Hebrews chapter 11. Once again, thank you to all those who've been helping out. Um, a couple of things. If you would like a pew or two, we have a couple of pews that we took outside, and uh, you're welcome to them. Make nice benches for outside or under an area. All you got to do is haul them away, and uh, you're welcome to them. I uh, appreciate all those who helped cart out stuff after stuff after stuff and clean and paint and all the things ongoing, and uh, we really appreciate it. It's looking really nice, and uh, you got some air to breathe in some of those back rooms now. Thank God for that. Amen? So thank you, thank you. Also, I was able to uh, make a deposit into our uh, fund. Now, we're going to rename it a little bit, not necessarily a building fund, but church improvement fund. So if you're going to give towards the floors and the things that we're improving, just mark it church improvement fund. And we put um, 700 additional dollars in that fund, what was it, today. So that was a blessing, making uh, progress toward it. We are, our first project will probably be that floor downstairs. And so we're excited about that. Thank you for those who took up our challenge, uh, $23 a week, and uh, we all do that together for the first 90 days, like we were talking about, we should have enough to cover the floor. That'll be our first project. But we're going to keep on progressing and doing things, and so we're excited about the progress in our church. Amen? Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 11. And we pretty much covered Moses last week, and we're going to Dive in, just a little bit of review, and then go forward. I think I picked up at verse 27. Hopefully you have verse 27. Where are we at? That was verse 25. Okay, so you got, we'll start with, excuse me, start with verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. Lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Let us pray. Reverend Hill, sir, would you please pray over our Bible study and teacher. Amen, amen. Then right after service, we are going to celebrate the February birthdays. Brief little fellowship downstairs. We have some cake and cupcakes uh, to uh, wish all the February birthdays a 
glad you're getting older. What is that? What should we, why should we, I guess we celebrate because we lived another year. Amen. When you get older, you kind of wonder about, should we be celebrating one more year? But I guess that's one more year closer to heaven. Amen. Amen. And so I think in Korea, they actually celebrate, they date your, when you're born, you're actually one already, which means that they date your uh, conception as your birthday. And so they have a very big birthday at one year old, um, which would be our two, I guess, because a lot of the babies didn't survive till then. And so uh, those that survived, man, they celebrated and they still continue that tradition now. And uh, so maybe tonight if we're celebrating your February birthday, uh, we'll celebrate like you're one years old. Amen? Amen. We won't ask you how old you are. Maybe. All right. Hebrews chapter 11. And we, we started last week with Moses. And we showed you that Hebrews and dealing with Moses, we're talking about faith is a forward-facing thing. We're talking about the future. And we're going to see tonight that faith is not a get-out-of-trouble-free card. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Faith means I have my trust in God no matter what happens, which sometimes that means God delivers me from the problem. But sometimes that means I trust in God in the midst of the problem. And so uh, I think you'll see that tonight. Real quick, we also want to encourage you, share with you this week what our subject is for our Facing Life's Greatest Challenges. Now, we've already outlined the whole series, but not necessarily which days we're going to use which sermons or which topics. But after we finished last week dealing with rejection, if you didn't catch it, it's on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, it wasn't, but that same Sunday, one of the sisters came up to me and said that uh, along the lines of, I'm praying that maybe we'll have a little respite now because this one had died and that one had died. And then we were at the, the Lowe's getting some more stuff for the church. And we saw a lady that we hadn't seen for a while. And she was sharing how that three of her siblings had died and somebody else had died. And uh, it seems appropriate that this week we'll be dealing with grief. So uh, you know somebody that's dealing with grief and or those are things that uh, we can always, always file away in our toolbox of how to deal with grief. Real quick, uh, when you look into the Word of God, you're going to find that when Jesus dealt with grief and he dealt with death, a lot of times you, you kind of look for a way, how did he deal with it? But he was there raising them back to the, you know, raising Lazarus and raising the widow of Nain's son and, and all of these things. And so we're not necessarily going to expect that he's going to raise everybody back from the dead. But what we're going to see as we study and we look into it on this Sunday is that Jesus was there. He was there. He was there. One of the greatest comforts that we can have through all the things we go through, as we're going to see tonight in Hebrews and as we're going to see Sunday in dealing with grief, is that as a Christian, God is there for us. So going on. Uh, so we dealt with Moses last week. And we saw that faith was forward-facing. We saw that he made choices that seemed to be counterintuitive. Instead of choosing ease, he chose affliction instead of affluence. Instead of choosing the easy way, we find him choosing the difficult way. Again, faith does not guarantee comfort, ease, plenty, uh, 
uh, a bed of roses. That's not what we're talking about at all. Faith is our trust in God. So that even in my hardship, even in my difficulties, I know God will work it out. Whether that's right now or whether that's in eternity. I put my faith and trust in him. It said, verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt. We shared with you last week, if you are a Bible reader, you'll find that one time when he left Egypt, it was not him forsaking, it was him fleeing. He had killed the Egyptian man that was assaulting the Israelite. And when Pharaoh found out about it, Moses fled. And so you say, well, there must be some contradiction. We pointed out to you last week. There was a second time he left Egypt. That was when he was leading the children of Israel out of bondage. Then he was forsaking Egypt, not fleeing Egypt. Then we find him going out as a leader, as a conqueror, not as someone afraid for their life. The Bible does not contradict itself. Amen? Amen. He forsook Egypt, not, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him as, who is invisible. If you're just joining us and you have a Bible, you can follow. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28. Through faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And we shared with you the first Passover when they would take a lamb and they would kill that lamb and take uh, the hyssop, which is a branch, dip it in the lamb's blood, sprinkle it on the doorpost and the lintels, which if you think about it, you're going that way and then you're going this way and this way. You're really making a sign of the cross, all right. And then they took that lamb, which represents Christ, and they ate the lamb. So we partake of communion. We remember. We partake of this Passover lamb even today. But we find that though the Passover lamb representing Christ and freedom was not just that one time, they continued to celebrate the Passover even though as yet they weren't into the promised land. They were doing something by faith. I am continuing to believe God's going to bring me in. So much of our Christianity depends upon us looking forward. I continue to believe God's going to bring me into heaven. I may not be a millionaire now. That's not what God is aiming for. He's not aiming for our comfort. He's aiming for the improvement of our character. What improves our character? Not necessarily surplus money and ease. Sometimes it's the difficulty, the resistance that pushes against us. And in it pushing against us and us having to push back, we gain strength. So God is more concerned about us developing our Christian character than us just having ease and comfort. Going on. He said, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians were in verse 29, which the Egyptians, a saying to do, were drowned. We dealt with that last week, so we're not going to stay there too long. I want to get to the new section. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. So when God led them out of Egypt land and they came to Jericho, uh, one day they surrounded, they walked around the wall once. Every day they would walk around the wall once. And you got to get the picture of the people on the inside. They're seeing these people walk around the wall and they're probably scratching their head, what in the world are they doing? 
And maybe they're, they're joking one to another. What do, you, what do they think? They're, they're, they're going to scare us or something? We got these huge walls. We think of walls. Sometimes we think of two-by-four walls or walls of a building. When we think of city walls, you have to understand the walls were sometimes broad enough on top that they would have chariot races on top of these walls. We're talking huge fortifications, not just small little walls. So the people on the inside felt very secure. They trusted in their walls. They thought there's no way these Israelites are going to get in to Jericho. And there would have been no way except they had faith. What did they do? Just exactly what God said to do. What do we need to do? Just exactly what God tells us to do. And that's the rub, isn't it? Because what God tells us to do though it's different than what he told them to do, is still a requirement because it shows I believe God. He wants me to be different than the world. So he says, come out from the world. Be separate, saith the Lord. He wants me to speak differently. So he says, let no evil communication proceed from your mouth. No cursing, coarse language, filthiness. You say, is that really along the same lines? Absolutely. Commands of God that they obeyed because they trusted God. Commands of God that we should obey because we trust God. We have to understand that God gives us these commands for a reason. Jesus said, it's not what enters into the body that corrupts us. It's what is in the heart that comes out. So filthy language cursing, all these things that, that are coming out, lying, uh, anger, prejudice, things that, that flow from the inside, that shouldn't be in the heart of a Christian. Now, it's not just a, a matter of filtering something. Maybe if you had a cup that uh, had some uh, sour milk and it started to curdle and you just wanted you put a, a filter over it and you just wanted the juice to come out. It would prevent the, the chunks from coming out, but it doesn't change what's on the inside. So sometimes people think that we are to filter what comes out. No, we're supposed to change what's on the inside. So there are no chunks, if you will, on the inside. If you're full of Pepsi and somebody bumps you, you don't spill milk. If you're full of God, you're full of praise, you're full of thankfulness, you won't spill cursing, foul language. I couldn't help myself. I got mad. Yes, you can. God changes us. He takes it out. It's not there anymore. If it's there, there's a problem. God can and does transform us. Going on. They did exactly what God said to do. Of course, on the seventh day, God told them to go around the wall seven times. They went around the wall seven times, blew with the trumpet. And as they blew with the trumpet, the walls came down. Kind of a, a principle. Obey God. Worship him. God is able to make the impenetrable, the unassailable, the impossible fall down before us. All we've got to do is what he said to do. Now the problem is, we sometimes, and maybe if the, the Israelites did this, they said, well, how are we going to get in this? And I don't think uh, uh, we should waste our time walking around the walls. Let's have a meeting. 
and figure out maybe we could sneak in or start breaking down the wall somehow. If they did that instead of doing what God said, they never would have seen the victory. And sometimes people waste their time doing the same thing today. They're trying to figure out, well, how am I going to work this out? How am I going to work that out? Just do what he said. As soon as you understand the command of God, obey it. It's simple. I didn't say it's easy, but it is simple. We understand what God wants. We have to have faith. God, I'm going to do what you said, whether it be, what about, what about relationships? People get into relationships. There's a pressure. There's a pressure. Now, if we're Christians, we understand that as a Christian, you're not to have sex with somebody until you get married to them. Now, in the dating world, if you go out in the society, that's almost a, a normal after a few dates, that, that would the physical aspect of the relationship, the sexual aspect would be there. And so there's a pressure. Maybe you found this guy and he seems to be really nice. And, and uh, after a few dates, he starts to maybe uh, lean that direction, pressure you that way. And you, because you want to keep him and you want to have a spouse and you want to be, I like this. I have one section I can look to and nobody can blame me thinking that um, I'm preaching at them. It's pretty good over there. Now, I'd like it to be full, amen. <laughs> but I have a blank section over there. kind of works out. But uh, maybe you feel that pressure, man. Well, if I don't sleep with him, then I may lose him. Hey, do what God said. Hold on. Do the right thing. If you do the right thing, God can work it out. If he leaves you because you wouldn't sleep with him, that was the wrong person for you anyhow. Anybody who wants his personal satisfaction or her, either way, their personal satisfaction above your eternal safety because sleeping with you would violate the commands of God, would jeopardize you to sin, would in essence uh, uh, help you on your way to hell, that's not a person that loves you. Amen. So preacher, that's very hard. No, it, God can give you self-control. And we share this not in a, in a bragging way, but my wife and I, when we met, our first kiss was our wedding kiss. And we courted for, for uh, quite a while. No, we didn't fool around and do all that. We, by God's grace, wanted to honor God and honor each other and just waited till we got married. Now, is that possible? Yes, it's possible. Not only is it possible, that's the right way. Amen? Amen. Going on. By faith, so they didn't sit around and figure out how the walls were going to come down. They did what God said. And when they did what God said, God brought about the result. Verse 31. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Now, this is amazing. Number one, it's amazing because who she was. We're not talking about some godly woman. We're talking about a harlot, a prostitute. And yet this prostitute was able to see something that some of the other people did not see. God is helping these people. And if God is helping these people, I need to find a way to be on God's side. And so she hid the messengers that came. And she negotiated with them, and the messengers made a deal with them saying, listen, uh, if you hide us now, we, when we come back, if you hang a, a rope from your window, we will spare you and spare your household. And so Rahab 
believed God. She did what she was supposed to do. Now, look at this. In faith, there's something that God does, but there's something that we do. She had to tie that red uh, rope, that red whatever it was, rope, ribbon type thing, around her window to signify that was the house. So she could have said, well, I believe God and didn't do her part, and it wouldn't have worked. There's a God part, but there's an us part. I want God to bless me. Well, you got to read the Bible. I want my faith to grow. But faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You've got to read it. It doesn't just go into your brain by itself. You can't get it by osmosis. It's good to listen to it at night. Sometimes I do put it on my Alexa or phone or whatever and listen as I'm sleeping. That's great, but you got to spend time reading it. Amen. I want to learn the Bible. Come to Bible study. I want to develop relationships. Go to home groups. Get around people to where you can have some fellowship and some relationship. You can learn. You can meet people. I want to grow in God. Spend time talking with him. Pray. There's a thing that God does. There's a thing that we must do. She she did not die. She perished not because she had faith. Now, Paul wants to list, list, list off all kinds of examples. But he understands he's been a little lengthy already. So verse 32, he says this. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. And he's going in chronological order except for David and Samuel. So all the stuff that he's taught so far, he's just... He went through Genesis. He was just showing all these examples of faith. Then he got into Exodus and showing Joshua. He was just showing all these examples, chronological order, faith, faith, faith. We think faith is just a New Testament thing. Faith was an Old Testament thing. Faith has always been there. And then he got... uh, Started listing off all the judges who had faith and that God moved in. Except for David and Samuel. They were kind of hand in hand there almost at the same time. Samuel was before David, of course. He's going in this chronological order. And it says this. I want you to follow along because this, I think, is amazing. Who through faith, what did they do? Subdued kingdoms. Who through faith, what did they do? Wrought righteousness. Obtained promises. Stopped the mouths of lions. Quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead. Raised to life again. Stop. That's the positive part. And sometimes that's all we catch. What faith has done for us. But there's a second part of this. What does it go on to say? It said... And others were tortured. But didn't they have faith? Well, Paul's using them as an example of faith. So they had faith and they believed and they stood up. But it cost them something. Here's something you got to understand. Every book of the New Testament talks about suffering. Christians who, because of their faith and because of their, their belief in God, it cost them something. Matter of fact, David said in the Old Testament, I will not offer unto God anything that costs me nothing. 
When you serve God, it's going to cost you something. Friends may not be your friends anymore when you tell them, no, I'm not getting drunk anymore. You may lose your girlfriend. No, I'm not going to sleep with you anymore. We had a brother. He was living with this girl, and uh, he got saved. And he said he moved from the bed to the floor to the couch. He kept making steps to his own place. Why? Because he said, man, I can't do that. I can't stay. Well, it's here, and here's what you hear all the time. But pastor, you don't understand. It's tough to be able to survive. And so we're roommates to share the expense. Well, can't God provide for you? Amen. Can he provide for you? I believe he can. It would be very tough. Get a bigger God then. Trade out your small God for a God that's able to provide for you. Going on. He said, others were tortured. So their faith brought pain, suffering, difficulty. Then it says, not accepting deliverance. Well, they could have been delivered. Why? Because they said, well, I will recant. I will say I'm not a follower of Christ, therefore they won't be put to death. They said, no, I can't accept that. If you're going to kill me, kill me. Because I believe, I believe in God. Now I'm going to go forward in God. Not accepting deliverance. Going on. That they might obtain a better resurrection. Then it goes on. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. These are people that lived in faith. Did faith get them out of the cruel mocking? No. Did faith get them out of the beating? No. Does that mean that God's not able? No, it doesn't mean that either. But you got to understand, having faith in God doesn't mean that you are guaranteed a life free of difficulties. Doesn't mean that you're guaranteed a life free of challenges. Matter of fact, the challenges are what show us how great God is. Because if, if your life is plenty of money in the bank and everything's going smooth, you don't have um, a reason to cry out and depend upon God. But when you don't have money to pay the bills or you get a bad doctor's diagnosis or, or things go south or you lost your job and things are going on and you say, God, I need you to show up on the scene. And he does. Then you can say, whew, he is a real God. He stepped in. He did this. And our greatest testimonies are not, wow, things are really smooth in my life. How great it is to be a Christian. That's not your greatest testimony. It's when things were all going uh, downhill and through the drain and, and you had to pray like you never prayed before and God did a miracle and you said, my Lord, I know you're real. I know you stepped on the scene. Abraham on the mountaintop pulling out the knife ready to offer his son. Think about it. And as his son's there and, and he lifts up the knife and he starts and God says, Abram, Abram, don't do it. Now I know. But you know who else knew? His son. His son was there. Had his son ever heard the voice of God? I don't know, but he did that day. Why? Because his father did what he was supposed to do. Hey, dads. Hey, moms. Our lives have a great impact on our children. Our lives, if we do what we're supposed to do, 
Amen? And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, that has a great impact on them too. I talked to a lady one time. She was a, uh, a daughter of a Christian, supposedly Christian, Christian man, Christian woman. And she said, my parents are hypocrites. Come to church, look real good, you know, be being used in the church, all these things. But she said, they're not real when they get home. Man, that's rough. I want to be, I want to be, I want to have the, my wife to have the testimony, my son to have the testimony that that widow woman had when she went to, um, I think it was Elijah. And she said, you know that my husband was a man of God. That's what I want my children and my wife to be able to say. Amen. I know dad, he may not have been perfect, but I know he was a man of God. You know what that means? That means sometimes recognizing that you're wrong and apologizing. That means sometimes humbling yourself and saying, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I was wrong. Hey, parents, sometimes you get it wrong. And if you pretend like you're always perfect and you pretend like you never got it wrong, your kids know better. So why don't you own up to your mistake and help them to see this is how you deal with the mistake. When you're wrong, you fess up. Son, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I promised we were going to do that and I didn't follow through. Forgive me. I'm going to make it up. I want you to be able to count on my word. Amen. I got one minute. What can we do in one minute? We can finish this. He said they had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. Faith was not a get out of jail free card, was it? Faith, they, they were in jail. Still believe in God, though. And that's the second part of it. Sometimes faith delivers us. Sometimes we're healed. Sometimes the money comes in. Sometimes we have faith and we're still dealing with the prison, still dealing with the jail, unfairly treated. There are people uh, around the world that are in prison, that are jailed just for simply preaching the gospel. Now, if you go to jail because you beat your wife, you belong in jail. Amen. Don't, don't, God deliver me. No, you need to pay your price and maybe eventually after however many years of being in jail, uh, you'll get out and you can start again. But you don't beat your wife. You don't beat your husband. Amen. Amen. He said, moreover of bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned. Not the CBD type of stone or the drinking type of stone. They were beaten with rocks. They were sawn asunder. That's what history tells us happened to Isaiah the prophet. Was Isaiah a man of God? Yes, he had this vision of God. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. Heard the angels saying, holy, holy, holy. He had, and, and gave us the whole book of Isaiah. And yet when it was said and done, I think it was Manasseh, could be mistaken, but pretty sure it was Manasseh who had him, tradition tells us, sawn in half. Now think about it. For, uh, and in the interim you'd think, man, that's horrible. But really, as soon as that, that blade cut and he, ble he bled out, he was in the presence of God. You know, we can't remember what Jesus said in a literal sense and in a spiritual sense. He that loses his life shall find it. So in the, in, the, in the spiritual sense, we lay down our life for others. We serve and we find joy. We find fulfillment. 
We find um, satisfaction. But in a literal life too, if we are martyred for Christ, we lay down our life. Hey, we're going to find life in the presence of God. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, right? That's it. The only way you're going to get there. Unless the rapture takes place. Let me uh, finish this sentence and we're done. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute. Afflicted. Tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. You mean they didn't have a mansion on the hillside? You mean they didn't have Louis Vuitton and, and Coach and, and all the other things? You mean they didn't have a, a, the fanciest new car? And again, if you, God has blessed you, hey, thank God I'm glad he's blessed you. We're not finding fault. I've been blessed also. But we look and find out that blessing is not a measure of spirituality. Because these folks... Didn't have any of that. They wondered about sheepskins, goatskins. They just had the, the bare necessities. And yet, even though they had the bare necessities, God elevates them and said, these folks, the world wasn't worthy of them. You know, the world looks up and they say, well, Warren Buffett, man, he's special. Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, these people up there, all these fancy folks. But God says, no, no, no. The great ones are the ones of faith. You may never know their name. They may be behind the scenes praying, inviting people to church, witnessing. They may be working, working with the, the kids in the Sunday school, implanting God's word and, and the seeds of truth in their heart and soul. They may never be, have their name in, on a marquee, never stand behind a pulpit. But he said, these folks, the world wasn't worthy of them. God Highly honored them. We'll stop. Uh, we'll stop there. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your examples. For we know you didn't give us these words just for the believers back in Paul's time that he was writing to. You gave them because they... Well, they apply to us. And we pass through difficulties. And sometimes, well, sometimes we may be tempted to choose the easy way out. Help us to be true men and women of faith. When it's called for to not choose ease or comfort, to not opt out, to not allow deliverance when it would take away from your glory. Help us to stand true and firm, to be examples of the believer, to be a lighthouse in the darkness, a rock in the storm. And Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, please join us downstairs in our fellowship area celebrating the February birthdays. A quick uh, little piece of cake and a cup of coffee or a Coke and uh, get the chance to sing happy birthday and embarrass all the folks born in February. Amen. And then we'll be back in church Thursday night, 730. God bless you. You're dismissed.